Hey, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We're back once again. We're a little bit late with this episode. It's episode 27. And even though it happened a week ago, we are going to be talking about the uh, the 24-17 loss to the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field, just down the street from where we are in the beautiful Loop Studios of Radio DePaul Sports. I am Mike Fleischman. I brought fully half of my voice to this episode, <laughs> and you can hear me now sounding very good. That is Matt Mellumsetter back once again with us. Final episode before Christmas time. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Man, I'm all right. You can you can hear the uh, hear the situation. Yeah. But uh, glad you're able to be uh, back with us here. Absol- a, absolutely, of course. It's a it's a smooth. I think it's a smooth, gravelly voice yes. that we've got. It's definitely not. It's not. It's it's soothing to the ears. There's no negative qualities to this voice that you're bringing. I should I should talk like this all the time. You should talk actually. like this all the time. It sounds saw- like some cool old like jazz narrator who's like explaining to us the quartet that's going to be playing this next piece. I sound like Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Except less mean. Yeah. When Except he, less mean when and he bad come, at When he comes back to, uh, like, when he comes back after the offseason, he hasn't had to just scream. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know why that dude doesn't in- employ other modes of his voice other than scream at all times. One. I sound a little bit like, like Doug Bruno maybe did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tw- 20 years ago. Before his voice was fully gone. Yeah, yeah, before he just destroyed his, his larynx. Uh, let me tell you the tale of the Green Bay Packers, the football team that lost their underpants here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, episode 27, with a bare ass out to the world. <laughs> the Packers ventured down to Soldier Field, and you get the feeling that the Packers in this game were not motivated by things like rivalries or, uh, or, or any sort of idea to beat the bears because that would be a lot of fun to do. No, this was, uh, I want to take anything away from the bears when we start this out because they're very good this year and they're getting better by the week. They've come off of two very good confidence building wins, getting, uh, getting biscuits back after he missed a couple of games and, they are rounding into postseason form looking very good. But as we're going to get into, there were moments in this game where a good Green Bay team just takes it over. Yeah, and it's because this is not a good Green Bay team. This is a bad Green Bay team with a lot of issues in the wide receiving core, some issues in defensive back depth, big issues on the defensive line, issues on the offensive line, injuries, Abundant in every position group. Um, this is a shell of a Green Bay Packers team that was yeah, on the field. Yeah, you just named every position. Yeah, no, I just named every position group. It's it's just a team that is a shell of itself. Yeah, they have issues with the roster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> issues with the coaching. Yeah, the guys uh, who wear numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, issues with the uh, the water boys yeah. and the training <laughs> staff and uh, the sideline photographers as well. It's... Injury is a huge story in this game in that not only were we without the, the usual suspects, you know, you're Kevin King, who is theoretically a, a football player. Yeah, no, he's. I think he's a football player. I, I hope he'll be back. He's come, become a little bit of a running theme on this show of like, where he go? Um, but along with, yeah, along with guys like King, who we know has been hurt, Randall Cobb was in this game, but sort of sketchy throughout it. Um, 
also a bunch of new injuries now. Yep. <laughs> to to add to it, Daniel shut down for the season now. Kenny Clark unable to go in this game. Likely shut down for the season. Yeah, probably. I I don't see any reason to play him anymore. Yeah. He's 22 years old. He needs to be productive. Yeah. Rumor, next year. Rumors out that he will be added to the IR. He has not been yep. added to the injured reserve uh, yet. Aaron Jones goes out early in this game. Um. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of spare parts playing in this game. The entire right side of the offensive line is just is a toasted. revolving door. Yeah, um, it, it was something that I noticed the entire game is that Khalil Mack was switching sides the yep. entire game, and it was a set, an automatic sack every time he lined up on the right side of the line, and he made no impact when he was on the left side of the line. Yeah, Bakhtiari is a guy who can deal with Khalil Mack as much as maybe anyone can. Yeah. Because Bakhtiari at least has the footwork to like move with Khalil Mack. And the strength to hold up. Yeah. Jason Spriggs. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Jason Spriggs oh does not. Oh, my. Jason oh Spriggs my, what a... would just... It, 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 Khalil Mack didn't have to do any, anything fancy. There was never a need for a, a spin move or a fake out or a... Any, it was just a bull rush. Just run right at him and push him straight back because Jason Spriggs can't handle it. No, he couldn't get his feet set against Khalil Mack. He was always, he was, he's doing that thing that bad offensive linemen do when they face a guy who they're scared of in that they never stop moving their feet for fear that the next move is coming, and then you just you fall over. And then you're just done. Yeah, and you then never, you're just in the quarterback's lap. You can never like plant and drive against against a guy like that if you're, if you're just worried that he's going to burn you if you try yeah. to do it. Like if you assume that he's stronger and better than you, yeah. You'll, then he is. Then he is. Yeah. It's done. Uh, we, so, like, yeah, the, the Lucas Patrick Jason Spriggs side of the line. Side of the line. Not exactly successful. Yeah. We'll talk more about Lucas Patrick later. I, I saw some stuff that I did like from him in the game. I don't know how much of this game we have to break down. I want to get us to a certain point and talk about it, and, and then we're probably going to be good. Uh, game starts with a couple of punts, and then Chicago goes on a very good drive for a touchdown. Uh, Chicago in early in this game, Matt looked a little bit out of sorts. Yeah, false start penalties. Uh, Trubisky missing on some um, on some third downs all throughout this this first half of play, but they still managed to get fourteen points, a touchdown on a on their second drive of the game, and then a touchdown on their final drive <laughs> before halftime. Uh, they looked good, and both of them, Green Bay, only managed a field goal in the first half, and it was a it was just a flat performance from Green Bay, particularly after Aaron Jones went out. And yeah. what I was seeing a lot of was same old thing. Like we know the line is is bad. Right side of the line is collapsing. <laughs> and to go along with that, um, Rogers, who at times looked like he was throwing decisively, at times would like sit back, like take a long drop into a pocket that like he should know darn well isn't gonna hold up yep. and then kind of wait for dudes. And it, just the idea that they're coming into this game with a game plan in which Rodgers is going to drop back and wait for dudes kind of shows me that, like, they've got, they've still got some work to do to figure out why it is that they're bad. Yeah, no, this is, I think, and that complete idea, that, that game plan of, okay, well, sometimes our long developing plays are going to uh, work is, I think, a good reason why I don't want to see Joe Philbin come back as the head coach next year, and I think is a great reason why he's just an interim head coach and will not be on this coaching staff next season, is because w the Green Bay Packers had success in this game when they went to quick, decisive 
uh, three-step drop, get the ball out quick type of throws where you're not counting on your receivers to make reads deeper down the field and you're not counting on Jason Spriggs and Lucas Patrick to hold up on the right side of the, of the line versus Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd. And it just that just didn't work. Any kind of long developing play, any kind of shot play just isn't going to work when your line's as decimated as the Packers was today or Sunday. Jeez. Yeah, it was a while ago. And we're, we're, we're venturing into the past to get this one done. Um, come out after halftime, though, and there's a sequence of plays in this game that bring the Packers all the way back into it. This game ended up tied. Green Bay gets a 43-yard field goal from, uh, from Crosby, who I, I'm going to continue to note is, is good. He's good. Again, that's, that's good. Uh, Chicago gets the ball back, and they get it up to midfield, and they have fourth and two. And this is where, this is where Matt Nagy is is going to take some lumps. Yep. As a head coach, not just from me on this particular podcast, but from other coaches who have already figured him out. Yep. I, I, that this was the most obvious fake punt situation I've ever seen in my life. Yep. I. This is a funny thing is I saw this lined up. I texted a Radio DePaul group chat that I'm in, I said, hey, guess what? Fake punt's coming, and immediately, fake punt happens. Yep. It was it uh, was so obvious, I, I don't know how he thought that it was, it was going to happen. I don't know the how Packers, they snapped it, because the Packers were essentially almost in a defense. They were, they were, yeah. they didn't, it, it was basically like the Packers didn't have anybody back waiting for the punt, because they knew that a fake was coming. Yeah, and, you know, Matt Nagy is a very cute little play caller. He's got all, he's got a bag of tricks, he's got... He's got all sorts of fun stuff. Um, that that's not the situation where where a fake punt is going to no. cut it. Like that's 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 fake punt world right that's a, there. That's fake punt world, and this is also a bury them situation. Punting from your own forty from your own forty nine from the Green Bay forty nine. You have the opportunity to pin a hardly working offense with a terrible line that's allowing a lot of quarterback pressure into their own 10-yard line, and you've had success with your puns and crew, especially Josh Bellamy, who had a fantastic job, Yep, did a fantastic job as a gunner on Sunday for the Chicago Bears. Pinning them inside of their own five, that's a safety opportunity. That's a squandered drive, and then you're getting the ball. You, the Chicago Bears, are getting the ball in about the same place. This is a field. <clears throat> this is a perfect situation for a field position play and Matt Nagy takes the most obvious fake punt in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i in favor of of the gadget plays. I mean, I really think Bill Belichick shows you how to use a gadget play in in the modern NFL. He's, yeah. I think, the absolute best at it. Uh, Nagy is going early and often with them. Green Bay doesn't really have a dude that you can trust to catch a punt at the moment. No. Let alone, like, any sort of real special teams thing, so... Yeah, fourth and two. If you want to go for it there, also I'm fine with that. That's, I, I that's, think the, I think the field position is the best call, but like just going out on fourth and two and running like an maybe an actual gadget play yeah. with with I don't know your offense, that would be good Instead as well. Third string running back in yep. a putt formation. It just didn't make sense. It seemed too cookie cutter. Uh, and and this is something I think that we're gonna see next year is. A lot of times in the NFL, these guys, these kind of gadget type coaches, these kind of cute, creative, offensive guru coaches come in, have a good first year. We've seen it with Chip Kelly. 
We're seeing it now with Matt Nagy. How will defensive coordinators and other teams, now that they have a full season's worth of tape on Matt Nagy, how will they adjust to that kind of cutesy gadget play calling next season? A lot of these kind of coaches go through a sophomore slump and struggle in the long term. We'll see how it goes. Well, I also have big questions as to whether whether beyond Terry Cohen, Nagy really has has an offense that is going to score points in any kind of way. I still, I, I, Trubisky I, is not winning me over. No, I, I stand by the fact that this offense is hamstrung by Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is holding this offense back, and we saw it time and time again in this game where there's open players, and he's missing them by 15 yards. Yeah, it could have been 42, it, it, it's, 42 to 17. Yeah, it's, it, this game should have been a blowout for the Chicago Bears, but Mitch Trubisky was so abysmally bad at some points that it was just... It was close. It's Trubisky was good enough to win, sure, and he's hitting the short throws that he needs to hit. But any ball beyond ten yards, uh, you're joking me if you say that Mitch Trubisky can make those throws consistently. So Green Bay responds properly. They get the ball at midfield. They go five plays, fifty yards, get the touchdown. Jamal Williams takes it in. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams for the two point conversion. It's a tie ball game in the third quarter. Things are going exactly the way that they're supposed to. This was the sign of life. And then then it ends. Uh, Chicago gets the ball back, and they decide to... Uh, they decide on third and one at the Green Bay 23. Again, to run cutesy, out a dumb gadget Getting play. creative. Go a little wildcat. Go a little wildcat. Snap it to Tariq Cohen, and he's supposed to hand off to... Another running back in the backfield. Option. It's a yep. read option to Jordan Howard uh, out of the backfield running through Tariq Cohen. Hey, guess what? Yeah. Tariq Cohen does not do handing off. He receives the handoff. He's not made to read that kind of a, make that kind of a read. He runs. Uh, that's a great situation if you want to run a read option with Mitchell Trubisky, who you yeah. have seen time and time again. Is perhaps a better runner than he is a thrower. He's a good athlete. Uh, I like him. Athlete. I like him as a runner. He's very quick. He's got good vision, and he, he's strong enough where he'll lower his shoulder and take a hit. Great situation to run a read option with your quarterback in Tariq Cohen or your quarterback in Jordan Howard. And instead, uh, they go direct snap to Tariq Cohen. It's a fumble. Uh, just a, a, again, a bad situational play call. Just a really bad situational play call. Yeah, I was I was yelling at the TV at in that situation of like you have a quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm happy the Packers got the ball. Yeah. Really happy too. the Packers got the ball, but that's just a a, a terrible play calling decision. Just like a, a a horrible play calling decision. Yes. You're in your borderline red zone in a tie what, game. In, in what why why do you decide that maybe we should try something for the first time? Maybe this is the situation against a depleted defense in a tie ball game. Man, maybe let's run the read option with our running back. It's a dumb play call, and there's a reason that we don't ever see that in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I would right, and there's another spot, third and one, where like a flea flicker, a sort of like reverse option, like deep pass, any yeah. sort of those kind of things, like anything that like aggressively tries to put up seven. If it's like seven or field goal, yeah, I like a trick play right there. Another yeah. spot where I'd like a trick play, but 
I watched this. I watched a, uh, a high school team that I will I will leave anonymous for uh, for the sake of them. But uh, they had a they kept on trying to run Wildcat in a game I was watching of theirs, and they they gave it away I think twice mm-hmm. on fumbles. They had a perfectly good quarterback who like yeah maybe he's not the best thrower, but like he at least receives the snap. Yeah, he, that's his job. Yep. He spent a year practicing receiving the snap and handing the ball off and running those read options and knowing where his read is. This is the kind of play where you're going to work on it a little bit in practice. It's going to get some spot coverage in practice. You're probably going to run this a few times in practice and kind of go through the motions with Cohen and Howard. But nowhere near the amount of times that they're going to feel fully comfortable with it. And this is the result, is is when guys are in positions that they're not comfortable with and they're not usually in this is kind of the result that you're going to see i mean i i agree with you in that third and one is a good time for a trick play if you're not in this kind of field position if you're not at the green bay 20 if you're at the chicago 45 if you're at the green bay 45 great time for a flea flicker try and get it all second and two same type of situation but third and one borderline red zone it's silly it's a 40-yard field goal if you throw an incomplete pass or if you go nowhere. But, yeah, sending the snap to uh, to Cohen in that situation. Cohen can do just about everything. I mean, like, Cohen could probably... He could mow my lawn. Yeah. He, I was going to say, he, he could he could probably get minutes on an NBA team yeah, with the way no. that he can jump. He could probably hit three. He's ridiculous. Um, but that situation not working out. I was going to say, look at how the uh, the New Orleans Saints who I watched in in the worst game of the week against the uh, Panthers yeah. on Monday. Look at how they used Taysom Hill. Yeah. Who is some sort of a monster person. Yeah. Uh, look at how, you know, they, they spelled Drew Brees with Taysom Hill, and all of a sudden, you know, you just have this guy in the backfield who is been taking a lot of snaps, and you're just scared of him. Yeah. Because he's just so, so large. He's just so large and athletic. Yeah. And... and- He's not only is he a quarterback who can throw the ball and came into the league as a quarterback, he plays on special teams. He returns kicks and punts and sometimes is in like as a blocker and he's all over the field. And that's a creative way to use a player who knows his situations and can do that kind of a thing. Tariq Cohen is not used to receiving snaps and being in charge of making a read on a read option. So it's a a recovery by the Packers who uh, who go three and out. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what I was getting to is that this was their opportunity. A good Packers team does not look back from this situation where to a turnover on downs and then a legit turnover by the Bears at home and let the Packers back into it. Uh, pre other Packers teams don't let that don't let that stand, but this Packers team does. It was, uh, this whole drive is worth kind of a, you know, it's a sack on first down. Rogers holding the ball too long. Floyd got him and then he misses Cobb and then he misses MVS. Yeah. And both of them deep throws. Yep. Nothing, nothing, nothing short on second down to get him into a manageable third down situation. Both of them just uh, try and get it all at once. Try and get it all at once. And then Chicago gets the ball back and just marches down the field for the touchdown. Uh, they didn't even face a third down on that drive. Yeah. Just 
little dump offs that went for some good yards after the catch. And you could tell, like, the defense at that point was just they're gassed, just and gassed completely and, empty, yeah, completely I mean, out of it. On third strings for most of the defensive line. Yeah, just not anyone really left on the Green Bay Packers defense. Green Bay goes three and out on their drive. After that, at this point, it's 21 to 14. Uh, Chicago adds a field goal. 24 to 14. Green Bay would get one more field goal. It doesn't matter. Game is absolutely over. Yep. It's it's over the minute the Packers go three and out. Yeah. After after recovering a turnover, uh, Chicago made two completely unforced errors. Yep. And a, and a good team capitalizes on those yep. unforced errors because Green Bay did not make any real unforced errors or turnovers until uh after really the game was over with the Rodgers' interception, which was tipped by Jimmy Graham. Went through the hands of Jimmy Graham. Both both is it both, both Rodgers' interceptions this year have been catchable balls that have been through a receiver's hands into a defender's hands. Both Graham. Both both Jimmy Graham. Yeah. The first one was Jimmy Graham's ball. Yeah, it was. Wow. That's something. That's yeah, that's something. Uh so Aaron Rodgers, uh two interceptions on the year, both of which tipped um, debatable if he should have an interception this year, but he does. He has to. Uh, Packers didn't look good. No, no, really, really looked bad. And yeah, you know, the the realist in me says, hey, if you send out your third string guys and they're bad, yeah, they should you be. shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, they should. Like, be this bad. should not shock you in any way. It was you know Aaron Jones got seven snaps in this game. Otherwise, it was. The Jamal Williams show, and you know we know what he is as a yeah. featured back. You know we we know kind of who these guys are, but for for this situation where you are really looking at at an audition for Joe Philbin, this team is coming off of a a pretty impressive win against the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons are are in a bad spot right yeah. now, um, but with a chance to show that I don't know, you can win a road game. Yeah. A chance. This year, a chance to show that you can beat your division rival, like a game that you should, a game that you should be able to get your team up for. Mm-hmm. In a way, this team didn't look up. No, I mean I'm talking about like eye test cliche stuff at this point, which is like, admittedly out of my wheelhouse, but I'd like to think that I can t- like take a look at something and at least think like, hey, this is a, a team that is currently very fired up. This- Guys on this team were fired up. Yeah. But this team as a whole, there was not a lot of a lot of effort or passion put into this no. project. <laughs> or cohesiveness or unity. Yeah. Like a lot of the play calling didn't really match the situation nor the personnel. And that's an issue we've had all year long, regardless of coaching and regardless of the play calling. I think uh against the Falcons we kind of saw the best game of the year for this Packers squad. Um, but it just it just didn't continue. I mean, there were some bright spots. I think Tyler Lancaster played pretty well in uh, 51 snaps. He got an extended look um, on the defensive line. But I think Lucas Patrick deserves uh, another season. Lucas Patrick, in, yeah, pretty in good. Green Bay. I think he he acquitted himself fairly well. He's clearly a project. Yeah. But when you talk about like playing with some sort of energy and passion, this is the second game in a row now where he has played pretty hard nosed. Yeah. Like he's definitely a definitely a fighter. Yeah. No. Yeah. He really I mean, does care and. Like I was saying earlier on in a previous episode, when you look at uh, guys like McCray and Bell as guards, they they don't work very well in space, 
Lucas Patrick does. Yeah, no, he moves pretty well. Yeah, he's quicker than those guys. And we and... really we really saw his movement speed when he uh, fielded that kickoff. And yes. Got, got uh, running. Uh, yeah, so we know that he can move well. Maybe uh, our next punt returner. Maybe, maybe. But as a pulling guard in space, I saw him on a screen. You know, he's he's able to get downfield pretty yeah. well. And, yeah, the, the team seems to have, have stuck with him from – as he's gone from a guy who like you're like oh, who in the heck is that yeah to to a guy who is probably starting the rest of the season at this point with McCray and Bell both both out they've just sort of like disappeared like we don't know what happened to them they went to go get a a, a soda and the, yeah now they are gone now they went to get some ice cream and got a brain freeze and just cold <laughs> yeah. right here um yeah no McCray and Byron Bell out, Lucas Patrick filled in. Lucas Patrick, we've seen uh, kind of be the aggressor a few times yep. where uh, Aaron Rodgers get hit after the play, Lucas Patrick come in and just blow the whole thing up. I like that about him. I, lo- I love that about Lucas Patrick. Yeah, if you're going to... Big old bowling yeah. ball. If you are going to draft a or a sign, I don't know how they found this guy, I don't care. But if you're going to acquire a project offensive lineman, one that like visibly gives an F at all times. Yeah. He's really, a good, really goes a Good long criteria way. to yeah. have. Yeah. It's odd because, you know, your left side of the line, you like that left side of the line going forward a lot. Lindsley, Taylor, Bakhtiari. Strong. I'll take all three of those. Balaga has to uh I don't I, know if Balaga has a lot more Bulaga's football done. in him. Nope. Uh, uh coming back off that knee. Reportedly a torn MCL. Oh, he's done. Yeah. No, oh, he's boy, done. he's really he's done. done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he's I, done. Just, Justin McCray, I think, is worth keeping around. Yeah. I think, like, he's, a Patrick, he's been serviceable as a guard. Yeah. A Patrick McCray, you know, idea going into the preseason, that's not the worst. Mm-mm. But I think tackle has to be a draft priority at this point. Absolutely. I think tackle will be a draft priority early, either early first round with our first draft pick or uh, late for late first rounder or into the second rounder. Um, yeah. Uh, looks like he has torn his MCL. Oh, uh, yeah. Looks to be on track to return against the New York Jets. I don't think he should do that. No, maybe I think don't, he should very maybe much. Maybe don't do that. I think he should very much sit down. I think he should very much not play in the next game. Uh, Balaga's whole, the, the story of his last four years has been one of like, is he going to be healthy enough to keep going? Yeah. And you know, at thirty years old now, like that is, he's about it. Yeah, peak. that's about it. Yeah, that's that's your body telling you something, man. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta shut it down. But yeah, yeah we'll we'll see. We will see. We're gonna. I want to take a break right here because when we come back, I wanna I wanna kind of expand the picture and look at the snap counts for this game more in a a question of like how do these guys matter to the team going forward? Sure. And if, with the season being over, I mean, they're going to go play the jets day after tomorrow. Yay. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> I haven't seen the jets play a game this year, so that'll be, that'll be fun, but it'll give us a chance to kind of look at like who from this team might be sticking around and where, where the holes on the roster are and, and what can be done about it. So we'll do that after a break. I need to, uh, Need to see if I can muster up a little bit more voice for for the second half of this. We're gonna get you some honey. Yeah, I I'm gonna like listen to an old episode just to remember what my voice used to sound like <laughs> before this week because <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, yeah, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, and 
it's been it's been a fun season to do a podcast about the Green Bay Packers because yeah. because uh, things keep happening, uh, regardless of whether or not they're good or not. Things happen. Things will never stop. Happening. Yeah, <laughs> and and we are we are right here to tell you about it. So yeah, we'll be back in a minute. Head in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike Fleshman. That's Matt Mellum Setter. Find us on Twitter at CheeseCagoland. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleshman. I just posted four of my favorite albums of the year because that's a very self indulgent thing that you can do on Twitter right around this time of year because all those lists come out and you think to yourself, I, as a person, can also make lists. He's on Twitter at Mellum Setter. Um, Join our Facebook group, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Um, it's Christmas time. I like Christmas time a lot. I don't know how you feel about Christmas time. I don't time. really like Christmas time. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I don't like the music. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care for the music. I don't like absolutely. the colors. Red I do green? like the lights. Okay. I like the lights. Um, I do like the food, I suppose. I have a yeah. I I always like the food. I'm I'm sure. a food, food needs, man it, in it, general. I I guess I I should uh, give a little bit of context that any time that there's food, I'm happy. Sure. Uh, so I suppose I would be happy regardless of the holiday season if there was food. So I I visit a lot of family around Christmas time. A lot of family that I don't get to see, except for at Christmas time yeah. and. I've got a lot of long, long-running Christmas traditions with, uh, with my in-laws as well as my own own family, and so for me, it's a, it's just a time I look forward to every year. It's it's always been a time with uh, when I was in food service as well that like you worked very, 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 very hard yeah. to get to Christmas, and then yeah. there's always sort of a letting let off where you can just like take a deep breath for a couple of days, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, this year is. A little bit different because I'm not doing food service anymore, but still, I'm. I've got a good couple of weeks off here before I'm back to work, so that's that's not bad. Not complaining mm-hmm. about that, but yeah, you get to see a lot of people. There's a lot of day drinking. Yeah, I, and not that I need an excuse, but it's nice to have one. Sure. And yeah, you know, they they set out they set out the make your own bloody mary bar at my father in law's place. I'm a big fan of that. So yeah, yeah, Christmas time is actually actually looking forward to do you have a favorite holiday if it's not christmas hmm it's a good question um, i know you know i damn i want to say here's here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing love the food at thanksgiving sure hate what thanksgiving stands for oh yeah yeah no hate all of the things about Thanksgiving that make it Thanksgiving. Conquest, genocide. All of that. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. All of that. Love the food. Oh, yeah. But because of the context, I think I'm going to have to say Thanksgiving's off the list as well. Which leaves me really with, like, no holidays left that I enjoy. Oh, no. Because I don't like July 4th. Because I don't like the fireworks. Yeah, I'm not into I'm not into that particular. I don't like fireworks, and I, I also don't like July 4th as a concept. <laughs> Um, 
So I'm really striking out. Halloween? You're not a Halloween guy? I don't like Halloween. Okay. Don't like Halloween. I used to love Halloween when I was a child. Yeah. I could get the candy. Yeah. The candy was was good. But uh, now I'm like, I can't get candy, so I don't really care about Halloween. And I don't like, I'm not a costume man. I don't know how to dress up. So Hmm. So I I can't pull off anything fun for the Halloween. Uh, I think what we're really ending up with is by process of elimination. I think I'm stuck with Easter. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, Food's I, pretty good uh, at Easter. Food's pretty good at Easter. Uh, I like I like Thanksgiving. I I have a big thing of like if if everyone celebrates the wrong thing on Thanksgiving, but I and my intention to like serve a meal and be around people I like, like don't do it for the same reasons. Like I can't be. I can't be like lumped into that like group of people who are sort of in you know thinking about it in in the ways that that we don't right you know they think about like the conquest and genocide yeah, like no, if, no. if I'm just more like Colonial serving prime rib to people I yeah. like yeah yeah it, it's it's a cooking holiday yeah. much less yeah. of a, a celebration of colonialism yeah if I make it into a cooking holiday and like you know harvest festivals are 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 known the world over yeah and now we have a thing in America where we like to tie. We like to tie patriotic and and uh, and and national political things to our holidays, mm-hmm. which is which is I think highly stupid. Not you know you won't catch me catch me on that the particular bus anytime soon. I don't ride that line. But like if if we just acknowledge the fact that like people have celebrated the fall festival and the winter solstice and, and you know, the, uh, the equinox and all those things that like we tie the holidays to, if we accept the fact that people have been doing that long before there was a United States of America or, or anything like that, then like, I don't know. It helps me enjoy holidays. Maybe it's okay. Yeah. This is a thing that people have been doing with, with their families for longer than longer than we've, you know, had, had, you know, a country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially longer than like the last last decade of our our political situation, which has just gone so well. This is Cheese Heads <laughs> in Chicagoland where uh <laughs> where we, we talk about uh holidays. Um that question got dark. I thought it was gonna be light, but yeah, it got no, dark. Sorry, sorry I hate every holiday. That's all sorry right. I don't like any holiday. No, it's it's um <laughs> That's a that's a perfectly good way to be. I know more people than you who are who are that way. I might have screened that question before I asked it, but that's not how I do things. Um, I want to take a look at 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 this game and also the Jets game as far as like what's coming up and who is going to be playing in it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be starting. Yep. Um, I I remain convinced that something is deeply wrong with Aaron Rodgers' knee and he's going to need surgery over the summer. Over yeah. over the summer and that. I would not be opposed to him having it now, but he is making statements of like, Oh no, the team needs my leadership in this game. Yeah. Of like, this has not been a leadership year for you, my dude. Yeah, no. And and now it's the groin issue, uh, that he's dealing with as well. He's probable for the jets game. He says he's going to play. Um, I think he's been, he hasn't been limited in practice. He's been a full participant, but, um, definitely feeling something. I, I a hundred percent agree with the knee is he just doesn't look, it's 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 watch his mechanics and the way that he steps with that left knee. He's never putting pressure forward on that left knee, and he's never pushing into a throw. 
every throw is coming off of his back foot, kind of falling backwards. And that's not a recipe for success. No, and it's it's been it's been a rough season in that like he has not I have not seen him project any sort of like leadership or confidence at any point this season. Yeah. No. I mean and I yeah. it's like he still can. Like I'm not saying like, oh he's he's lost, you know, I'm not Yeah. I'm not this isn't the Titanic or anything, but like to talk about leadership now is wrong when he could have talked about it in week three or week four yeah at some point <laughs> before now yeah because he has been like moping through his press conferences yeah he has just been like so clearly disengaged from from the team like i don't know why and it's not that i don't have confidence that he can't fix it he's real good yeah. i'm a big fan yeah but it's just been kind of continually continually alarming and when like the idea that why is Aaron Rodgers up at the podium being like, gosh, I just don't know. Like to every question, when that becomes like a national question. Yeah. That means you're doing something very noticeably wrong. Yeah. With your press, with, with how you're dealing with the press. Yeah. At least. So I wouldn't, I would not mind seeing Sean Kaiser play in this game just no. because like, like Rodgers, you're so clearly hurt. You've had two seasons now in a row or you've just been busted and broken in various ways. Like take a little time. Just take a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it means something that he wants to go out and play. Sure. And I think it's, it's, it's sure. The statement could have come earlier. I think it's still meaningful that it's happening at all. I think, especially now that the games mean nothing, I think it's just as important that it's coming now than any, than earlier in the season. I, I, especially cause I don't, no, if this is a team that was really actually going to be good enough to turn it around anyways. And I think as, as we saw with uh, McCarthy's coaching towards the end of his tenure, things weren't going to get better on the coaching side of things. I don't think it, a proclamation from Aaron Rodgers would have, have spurred on a streak from this team. I think, I mean, there's... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen guys on IR. That's too many. That's too many guys on IR. Yeah. It's a lot of guys yeah, no, on IR. No pep talk is gonna bring any of those guys back yeah, from nope, IR. No. That, I, that's an absolute it, mess. That's that's a mess and that's a depth issue and, and and there's just not really much you can do about that. Uh I don't I don't think any leadership proclamation from Aaron Rodgers in week you know, six or seven or something would have turned this season around. I think what it came down to was that Mike McCarthy pretty typically week in and week out was not preparing this team for games and was not game planning effectively. Aaron Rodgers was playing hurt the whole season, but taking three weeks off, I don't think would have helped us in helped the Green Bay Packers in the middle of the season. I, uh, and I'm fine with him finishing the year out. I, I think. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a particular problem with it. It's just more the matter of like, it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit late yeah to talk about like how like your vaunted leadership skills are desperately needed by this team sure yeah like you have you are two and six in the last eight yeah i think yeah. i think what's most important about these last games is just him getting snaps with eq and mvs and just getting snaps with some of these younger receivers and trying to build a little bit of a rapport because you can practice all you want but snaps in game means so much more than practice reps at running back, it's going to be lots of Jamal Williams. There isn't really anyone on the 
anyone behind Jamal Williams that you really care about or want to take a, an extended look at on this team right now. The idea going forward that it's going to be Jones and Williams for probably the next two years. Yeah. Still, so uh, Dan Vitale is a person who exists. Um, you know, the the fullback run up the middle is always always an option. Yeah, occasionally just a fun way to do things. But yeah, looking forward to a lots of uh, Jamal Williams. He'll probably get uh, fifteen to twenty carries. Yeah, Capri Bibbs might see a little bit of time. We just uh, Green Bay Packers just signed him as well. Cool. Um, and I think that's the only other running back on the roster currently, uh, with Jones sent to the. IR. Yeah, Randall Cobb is in the concussion protocol. So going forward, it's it's a question of can you get Randall Cobb back for cheap? I don't think you can. Nope. Um, I think he goes elsewhere. Yeah, I, I don't think that he would be very interested in coming back to the Packers at this point Mm-mm. either. Nope. Um, so, you, yeah, you get a look at EQ St. Brown, MVS, Jake Kumaro, and uh, Jamon Moore. And hopefully... A little bit of Alan Lazard action. And a little bit of Alan Lazard. I'm excited I know, for Alan I Lazard. Saw the, I saw the Alan Lazard signing. I know nothing about Alan Lazard. So uh, so do you think he's active for this game, or is this a... I don't think he'll be active for this game. He might be active for Week 17. Okay. What I think Alan La- the Alan Lazard signing is, I think it's a depth signing. Um, and also a signing potentially for the future. They pulled him off the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad. Alan Lazard's a six foot. Five, two hundred and thirty pound wide receiver. Uh, before the draft, there's a little bit of talk of uh, people asking Alan Lazard to bulk up and go to a tight end slot and play kind of a a quick moving, uh, spread tight end. And then he ran a four five at the combine, and people said, "Okay, you can play wide receiver." All right, yeah. Uh, so he's a big six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound, strong handed, quick, uh, fast potential to be both a deep threat as well as a good possession receiver. He runs Chris Browse. He's a four-year senior at uh, Iowa State. He was all pro Big 12 two years in a row, junior and senior year. Um, about a thousand years, well, thousand yards receiving junior and senior year as well. He's a talented uh, wide receiver. I'm really excited for Alan Lazard. He was somebody that I wanted us to draft um, way back when, when we were talking about uh, some draft stuff. So I'm excited to see him get picked up off the Jaguars practice squad. I don't think we'll see him get any run uh, this week. Maybe next week. Boy, Kunst has a type, right? Yeah, he's got a type. I mean, everybody really on this roster now is 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 200-plus pounds, and lightning fast, 4'4", 4'5", 4'6", at least. The outlier is Jake Kumaro, who is uh, maybe not as large. But is uh, is is still very fast and, and still has not shaved or cut his hair, so he's, I continue to endorse that. Kumaro is six foot four. Is he really? Yeah, six four two ten. He's he's he he's so large. He's still in that he's still in that mold. Except Kumaro runs oh such good routes. Just oh man, I love watching Jake Kumaro run routes. It's, that's that's a very it's it's an interesting just assuming that assuming that all of the draft pick wide receivers come back next year, which is, I don't think assumed. I think nope. that, you know, especially guys that had trouble seeing, seeing the field this year, like Jamon Moore and Kumaro they're, you know, they're definitely on a bubble. Yeah. But Lazard behind them, that's, that's an interesting signing. And at least like, at least you're not dealing with any guys that are, are not your intentional signings at that point. Right. You're no longer dealing with, with Randall Cobb, uh, Geronimo Allison's a huge question. Yeah. 
going forward? Is is he going to be after pretty much an entire year off? Yeah. Is he going to be ready to go next year? Are they going to want to keep on going with him? Um, and I, I, I think before we move on from yeah. Geronimo Allison, I think it's worth a, a, a note that uh, before Geronimo Allison got hurt, he was on pace for uh, about 80 catches and 1,200 yards. So Geronimo Allison uh, was having a very solid year, a small sample size regardless. It was only four games, uh, but regardless, uh, on pace for a solid year and somebody who kind of, Run, he, he runs very solid routes, but also showed the ability to have top-end speed, and I think it was week two he was clocked as the fastest player in the NFL day, that week. All right. So the ability to have top-end speed, I really like Geronimo Allison, uh, undrafted free agent pickup from uh, Illinois, University of Illinois. He's been with the Packers for a few years now. Um, questions at tight end, of course. I don't think there's anyone in this group that you really are like, you need to have back at this point. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know how much uh, how much guaranteed they have Graham for next year. I think Graham's back no matter yeah. what. I think I, I think it's think I think come... it's an eight eight million dollar cap hit. If okay, they drop Jimmy Graham next year. Yeah, so. I was assuming he does come back. Mercedes Lewis is not coming back. No. He did not make any sort of impression on this team. I don't know if uh, if Kendricks is coming back. I'd like to see Robert Tanyan get a, get a bit more of a look. Yeah, he has made some good plays when he's been yeah. in the position to make them this season. Absolutely. Um, I think that. Another another year in training camp, another preseason should determine whether or not he can be put in a few more positions yeah. to make good plays. Because when what he had a chance, he made him. Yeah, he's big, athletic. He's a little. He's pretty quick. He's 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 good. I I, I like I like Bob Tanya. He's like six foot five, six foot six, big body tight end. I like him. I know what calendar to get Brian Goodkunst. Yeah. Uh, this Christmas. It's it's six foot six, six yeah. foot five receivers yeah. in uh, bikinis on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked about the offensive line a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to go to Amazon.com and Google that particular calendar. You can get me like the cats of the world calendar. Mm-hmm. I'd be good with that. Um, along the defensive line, uh, of course, we didn't see Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, or Muhammad Wilkerson, those three guys that we expected to. <laughs> three starters, all out. Yep, all out. Um, I don't know that Wilkerson comes back. It would have to be on the Packers' terms and not his, most likely. Yep. Uh, Kenny Clark, you want to see back. Mike Daniels is is a guy, I think, in the way of Clay Matthews in that, like, getting him back as part of a rotation and not as a guy that you expect to be a centerpiece of your defense makes sense. Yeah. But I think we've seen some pretty good stuff from Dean Lowry. Absolutely. And this year he's definitely, he has outplayed Montrevious Adams. He's yeah. taken Adams spot in that like depleted rotation. And there's, you know, at this point, like when you're dealing with guys who are absolutely third stringers starting like Lowry and Lancaster getting mm-hmm. 51 snaps each in this game, like that's not how it's supposed to work. No, but they, they held their own, They made a case. Yeah, no, they held their own and made the case that they could be working pieces in a rotation. Uh, I, I think Dean Lowry has been absolutely uh, a bright spot. Uh, with all those, with all the injuries on the defensive line to uh, the pers- presumptive starters in the preseason, Dean Lowry's looked pretty solid. He hasn't looked uh, flawless. He hasn't been everywhere, but he's had he's had a few ga- he's had a few sacks. He's got three sacks on the season. He's been able to get some quarterback pressure. He's been able to get into the backfield 
And uh, the, just the other day, uh, Tyler Lancaster got 51 snaps. Looked pretty good in in a extended look on the field. At outside linebacker, this is this is such a big question for the Packers right now a because because Nick Perry is is completely done. Yeah, he's been he has been just absolutely underwhelming. I think one of the contracts that got Ted Thompson fired. Yeah, no, absolutely. Nick Perry's, Perry's contract is atrocious, and the Green Bay Packers are going to have to deal with Nick Perry for another two or three years because his contract doesn't really. You, there's no opening up for Nick Perry's contract to get shed until. Like two years into yeah, and I don't think I don't think a lot of GMs are answering the phone, and no one's gonna want to trade for that contract. I mean, he's he's due like six or seven million dollars each year over the next three years, and that's about what the cap it would be if you cut him. So there's nothing really that can be done with Nick Perry's money. You just have to hope that he has a healthy season and uh, doesn't fall apart. Right. Uh, work. I think he can be an effective rotational piece. I think what we've seen from Nick Perry is that he can be an effective run stopper in a rotation in limited snaps, but when he's given the full snap load, he just can't hold up. That's that's the situation right now on the other side with Matthews as well, and yes. like he should not be playing full snaps no. for the rest of his career. No, um, no, no, no. He, no, no. Lo- he, he still has the ability to get to the quarterback. Yeah, he's in... in spurts clay matthews yep. can be effective in in three or four snap spurts clay matthews can be effective it's when he's playing for an entire game that he and and things really happen when he has to go back into coverage yeah oh, oh boy, boy. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> he's lost the stuff that he was never particularly good at yeah. to start with he's which is being in coverage or stopping the run and th- those things have have really gone downhill but yeah. uh, still effective i'd like to see him back but it would have to, again have to be on a friendly contract. I I think that there might be some bad teams out there willing to give him some some big some money. guaranteed big money. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, careful with Kyler Fackrell in this situation oh as well. This in that Fackrell has played well this year, but I I think a bad GM might be tempted to give him a lot of money. Yes, and Go, I would not. This Kyler Fackrell season reminds me a lot of the Nick Perry season that got him paid big bucks. Yep, and I really pray. That Brian Gutkunst is not tricked into paying Kyler Fackrell good money. Kyler Fackrell is not that good. Kyler Fackrell has succeeded in extended snaps because the pieces around him are so bad and because there's no one on this Packers team that can get pressure to the quarterback if not manufactured through like an exotic uh, defensive back blitz. Kyler Fackrell, not anything special, uh, should not be getting like the eight to ten million dollars. No, oh, we saw. my. Oh. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. Get. That would bother me. Yeah, no, uh, that would bother us. That would bother us, uh, me as well, and it would also sink any chance of this outside linebacking core being good for a long time. Meanwhile, the inside linebacker questions have have pretty much been answered. Uh, Blake Martinez has had a a sparkling injury free season. Knock yes, on wood, a stellar year. He's been durable. He's been just just an absolute rock. He's so so good. And this is a guy I wouldn't mind seeing get paid a bunch of like leader of the defense money yeah. for a long time. Yeah, no, he's great. I think I think you, I think he's one of the best best pickups they've they've managed to have. Of course, he's got um, Oren Burks, who has not seen the field very much in his rookie season, mainly because Blake Martinez is right there, and uh, also Antonio Morrison behind him. Burks and Morrison haven't been able to really come out at all. Really, they this haven't. Season. Yeah, no, they really haven't done. Uh, 
much at all. Uh, Antonio Morrison's best games have kind of come on lately in the back half of this year against uh, Minnesota. He played pretty well. He had seven tackles against New England. He had eight tackles and a sack. Uh, so he's he's had spurts where he's looked good, but he has not been uh, the team-leading tackler like he was in 2017 for Indianapolis. He's been fine uh, and somebody that I would expect to see back in a Packer uniform next year. Um, but he's not been uh, the answer. I, I'd be interested to see if we if the Green Bay Packers decide to re-sign Jake Ryan. Yeah, what the I was going to say lost there. in this discussion is Jake Ryan. Yeah, who is a member of those looked average a thousand play. players on IR. Yeah, yeah. looked looked pretty average. Looked serviceable. A yeah. good a good run defender. Perhaps not anything special in coverage. He's not exactly the quickest running back uh, linebacker. He 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 looks like he's he's about a step slow, but. A smart, aware kind of linebacker who seems to always put himself in the right places on a run, running place. Safety core, you've got Tremont Williams, who um, I'd be interested to see if Tremont Williams wants to have another go at an NFL season. I don't. It would surprise me. Yeah, I don't know if he will. I would not be. I would not be opposed to seeing him back, especially as a reserve safety. That yeah. would work out just fine for me. Yeah. Um, Josh Jones is going to be coming back. Um, questions here, though. At safety, of course, at the beginning of the season, you were going to run out Haha Clinton Dix and Kentrell Bryce. Yeah, and then we scammed the Washington yeah, football the Redskins, team into giving yeah. us a fourth-round pick for Haha Clinton Dix. Yeah, there we go. If, you, if you've been keeping up with some of the uh, Washington football blogs, uh, they are not very happy about that no. trade for Haha Clinton Dix because he is very bad. Yeah, he is. He has continued to play very poorly this season. He is very, very bad. Uh, at safety, you're looking at uh, Josh Jones, who is a guy worth developing. Absolutely. At this point, um, Eddie Pleasant, who has now been with the team for three hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, two and a half. Yeah, I think, but yeah, no. <laughs> and has has not looked good. No, never, never looked uh, stellar. Kind of looked a little bit out of his element. I think Josh Jones is somebody that I think we've seen really come on over the last few weeks, especially. Yep. Um, I mean, starting with the Seattle game, Josh Jones has really been effective. Just playing time and rhythm. You know, this yeah. is his second season, and he's seen limited time in each of them. Yeah, just being able to be out there and have the game move at at the right speed for more extended periods seems to have done him a lot of good. Yeah, Kentrell Bryce. Kentrell Bryce. Um, boy, that's an inconsistent football player right there, Kentrell Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he makes enough plus plays. No, and he's so negative in coverage. Yeah. Uh, he He's a willing tackler, but as the year went on, he really faded. He came out strong his first two weeks. Um, against Chicago in week one, he had nine tackles and a sack. Uh, looked pretty solid. In week two, he had six tackles. Uh. And then from then on out, he never had more than four. He kind of, where his best strength was in run support and tackling, faded pretty quickly. I think that safety is is a position in particular where the Packers can make moves in free agency. Yes. I've, I've read a lot about how the, the market for safeties in the NFL has been very depressed recently. Uh, guys are not getting the contracts they expect. Yeah. Uh, Kuntz can make a savvy move. Here, there. I mean, if you take a look at it, Josh Jones is going into year three. Uh, Kentrell Bryce going into year three, two, whatever. Um, Eddie Pleasant um, 
a little bit of an older guy, but like very fringe. Ibrahim um, Campbell Ibrahim on the Campbell. IR. Yep. I think we saw a little bit from Ibrahim Campbell. Deserved, that I was, he deserves a look. He deserves a look, yeah, especially absolutely. as a depth player. I, he was he was absolutely totally yeah. fine. He was pretty darn good in spurts. Yep. This young secondary though, like a a thirty to thirty two year old, a tw- a guy in that like twenty eight to thirty three year old range. Yeah. Being brought in on on a favorable contract to shore that up. That's the right spot for it. Yeah. And and we saw it last year with kind of like I I'm looking for kind of like a Morgan Burnett level signing. Is Morgan Burnett yep. got about four point five five million dollars from the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, and I think that's the perfect amount of money to be spending. And I think there's going to be a few quality safeties that are going to be looking for money in about that range. I think Earl Thomas will be getting up to like eight million dollars. I think that's as high as the Green Bay Baggers should be looking for a safety. Yep. So I think. I think the ideal plan is to pair somebody alongside Josh Jones. I think it's to pair somebody in that free safety spot that can be a little bit more of a center fielding. Yeah, ranger uh, and a hitter. Ranger and a hitter, and let Josh Jones kind of do what he does best, which is play up in the box, kind of pursue the ball carrier, and and be a tackler and worry less about coverage from Josh Jones. Cornerback, you're looking at Jair Alexander. Who is, I, I who, uh, in every sense of the word it should be in defensive rookie of the year contention absolutely should be an all rookie it should be all rookie without a question and is going to be an all pro and top 5 quarterback <laughs> in the NFL within the next 3 years this guy pops off the screen this guy is there's just there's no negatives to Jair Alexander's game they're really i mean it, a a big question mark for a lot of young cornerbacks is will they tackle do they have the will to tackle, do they have the ability to tackle? And we see it in the other rookie cornerback the Green Bay Packers have in Josh Jackson. Is he's not a very willing tackler. He's he's fine in coverage. He's good in zone coverage. He struggles in man coverage, but he's not a great tackler. And we see him miss tackles pretty frequently. Jair Alexander does not miss tackles. Jair Alexander comes up looking to pop someone, looking to make a hit. Jair Alexander is not only a fantastic man coverage corner. Jair Alexander excels in run support, excels in every single aspect of the game, and he's playing in a top level as a rookie 15 games into his first season. It's really shocking how how quickly he was ready to go in the NFL. Um, next to him, of course, you have Kevin King, who's just nothing but a question mark. Uh, Bashad Breeland, who has played very well. Mm-hmm. Bashad Breeland, Gotten without a doubt, healthy. without a doubt, deserves another chance yep. here in Green Bay. And I... I, I I think that there's a possibility that we can get that the Green Bay Packers can get Bashad Breeland for that seven to eight million dollar range. I think that's a great signing. Uh, yeah, we talked about Josh Jackson. This guy needs to get better, but um, he's a rookie cornerback. He's a rookie cornerback going through a lot of the struggles that rookie cornerbacks yeah. go through. If you he's, compare him to Jair Alexander, that's not fair. No, it's just not fair because Jair Alexander came in and <laughs> was an All Pro, even and, as an know. early pick. Yeah, no, and Josh Jackson is a second rounder and is a little bit of a project uh, for this system. He excelled in zone coverage and kind of as a ball-hawking cornerback in college. Mike Pettin does not run a zone scheme. He relies on his corners to play a lot of man coverage and lock their guys down. Josh Jackson has, had never done that in his career until now. And so to expect him to be exceptional at that right away is like a 21, 22-year-old kid coming in. Not really uh, possible. I think next year and two years from now is when we're going to see Josh Jackson excel. And what I think I've been the most impressed about with Josh Jackson 
and I, I we've talked about it a number of times here on this program, Mike, is that Josh Jackson, he does not hang his head. Nope. If, if he misses the tackle, he's right back up. He's into the next play. Josh Jackson's been one of the snap leaders for this defense week in and week out. And I think that's what impresses me the most about Josh Jackson is that inability to quit. He does not pout. He does not sit and wait. There's no attitude problems with Josh Jackson, regardless of his coverage abilities, regardless of his tackling abilities. Is He's trying. And it, I think that's what I'm looking for in a rookie cornerback right now. I think that's that's something that I evaluate a lot of NFL players on in that, like, if you are not good enough to start in the NFL, I, I'm fine with that. That's fine, yeah. If, sure. if But if, you, yeah, if you're willing to try and, and do the things that get you to the point where you can stay on a roster, even if you're not good enough, that's, that's the important part. Yeah. And that, like, you know, you saw it with Brett Hundley last year. Like, I'm not upset at Brett Hundley. He's not no. good enough to play quarterback in the NFL. He tried. Yeah, he's a great guy. He tried. He tried really hard. Oh, yeah. But he just wasn't good enough. Yeah. He, he was not coached well enough. He was not developed. He did not develop in the way that he needed to. And that's not his fault. He's not, it's not his fault. Just didn't happen. Josh Jackson, I think we've seen plays where his length has come into play and he's made something special. But we've also seen him make kind of boneheaded mistakes and go for the pick when he shouldn't have. And stuff like that's just going to come with experience. And it's just going to come with playing time in the NFL. It's, it's a decent young core yeah. at cornerback. There, yes. there are some interesting things that they could do. Uh, Tony Brown is kind of stuck on the end of that. Tony Brown's a wild card. Yeah, Tony Brown. I, I do not know what, what we're going to see from Tony Brown, but I, I definitely, if the Packers do not get him at least back into training camp in the preseason, I think that's a mistake. Yeah, he absolutely because, has to be in that uh, cornerback room. Yeah, he deserves to be there. He's a, he's a weird He's a weird guy for the Packers because you do not see them pick up like these sort of just just that wild all out yeah like pure energy player <laughs> pure energy that also runs a four three yeah like uh, it, I mean the thing is is uh, his numbers uh, Tony Brown's numbers like his his raw physical numbers so his forty yard dash his three cone his shuttle all are within like point one of Jair Alexander. His physical profile nearly matches up with Jair Alexander, which is a an exceptional physical profile. The, the brain. The brain a little bit more of a wild card. A little bit more uh, uh, uh all over the place. But Tony Brown, uh been decent in man coverage, has the physical ability to I think before this season we talked about it a lot is line up a young guy across from somebody and say go in. Yeah, guard him. Don't let him catch the football. And in that type of a situation, Tony Brown can be pretty darn good. It's just a little bit. He needs some technical honing, and he needs uh, not to do the dumb things. Yeah, he needs to prove <laughs> that he needs to prove that dumb things are going to stop. And 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 for the most part, I mean, we it, it's they have they have. I, sure. He he had two dumb ones right away with a, a what was it? An unnecessary roughness and an unsportsmanlike. Yep. And in the first two big plays he made in the NFL, first two, basically his first two snaps were negative 30 yards. But since then, in which if he hadn't have done those two things, 
would have been good plays. Would have been great plays and would have helped the Packers maybe win those games. Classic. Uh, But I think besides that, after those games and after those plays, Tony Brown's really kind of uh, cleaned his act up uh, on that side of the 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 ball on that side of the the football. It's it's such an odd thing. You know, we've got two games to go. We've got Jets and Lions. Um, I. I'm curious to see if if there's a team that gives a crap on the field against either of those two teams. I I have no idea have no what idea. I'm gonna get. I this Green Bay Packers team could play so low and down to the level of the Jets that I I'm scared. And and yeah, the the Jets are the Jets are a mess. <laughs> yeah, Sam Sam yeah. Darnold is is another is leading the maybe league. not a Rosen type project. Yeah, but. He's still a project. He's a project, and he's not in a great situation. He's leading the league in interceptions, even though he's missed four games this year. Um, you look for this. Look for this secondary to get some turnovers. A good Green Bay Packers team would take full advantage of those turnovers. This is not a good Green Bay Packers team, nope. so uh, they could squander all of those turnover opportunities and do nothing with it all. It's interesting though, because like you do, you do absolutely coming out of this season. You can make the list pretty easily of like positions of need. Yeah. And you you make a few assumptions as to who is going to be healthy and who isn't. Mm-hmm. You make a few assumptions as to like whose contracts are getting renewed, who's coming back, who's not. Yeah. But there are just there's some really really clear things that you you should do to to restock the team in the right way. I don't think this is I think this is Quite an interesting like draft and off season number two coming up for Brian yeah. Gutkunst because he did uh, he did fairly well. Yeah, he did first time around pretty well the first time around. And what the season kind of feels like is kind of like a soft reboot, kind of like a soft little bit of a rebuild. Uh, with Mike McCarthy re-signed to that one year extension before the season, this really was kind of a trying period to see if he would fit with Gutkunst's vision. Uh, and it ended up not working. And so now I think with the coaching shift and with another full offseason under his belt, we'll see what Gutkunst's vision is for the Green Bay Packers and if it can be successful going forward. And thus far, uh, I've been very pleased with his a lot of his decisions. It's it's a fascinating time because this season has has really sucked. Yeah, there have been some there's been some awful football. On the field, really terrible football Just, sometimes. Yeah, some stretches, stretches sometimes of like entire halves where where the team is. I mean, I I honestly and without exaggeration, like the Packers for several thirty minute spans were the absolute worst team in the NFL. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> there were I w- I wish that we that the Green Bay Packers played the Raiders this year. Yeah, would have been an interesting thing to watch. Absolutely. I think it would have been a close game at some point in time. This is a team that lost to the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. At oh, Lambeau Field. I, I want to specify that I want to see the Mike McCarthy <laughs> coach team play the Raiders. Yeah. Because I think then it would have been a very close game. I this think it a, would have been a 13-13 to 13 affair into the fourth quarter. This is a team that's 0-8 on the road. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. Abysmal. Yeah, it's, it's really, really awful. But at the same time, this is, you know, and I think a lot of fans of, of bad teams right now do the same thing. Well, like, there are some interesting players on this team. Certainly. You know, there's a way to take this team and, and make it good. 
Yeah, no, there's a vision for this team, and there's 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 players on this team where this this team could be good in a year. This team could be good next year with a few smart free agent acquisitions, with some good draft picks. Really, I think what we need to pay attention to the most is those two first-round draft picks next year. And I think that will be the turning point. And a game plan. Please give me a game. A game plan. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Get a coach that knows what's happening in the game. Watch watch the first, first quarter of any Chiefs or Saints game. Yeah. Patriots game this year. And like, then try and try and defend what the Packers game plan has been, because Packers game plan is uh, it's shockingly different. uh, Okay, Aaron, um, we're gonna run a deep post up the middle and a seam on the outside, and then also a seam on the far left side, and then also uh, we're not gonna give you any protection. Go hut. Everyone's going deep. Everyone's going deep. You better fit it in a window. Oh, they're running cover three. Sorry, you don't have any dump off options. That's it. Go deep. It's bad. Get some draft picks. Get some things. Of course, we're going to talk about this Jets game. We're going to talk about it soon enough. We'll get a we'll get a little remote episode going on. You can pull me out of my uh, my turkey and bloody mary coma mm-hmm. long long up. enough to talk about it. Probably do that day after Christmas or so. Sure. Um, I'm sure there'll be something to talk about, right? I. Uh... I hope if not, we can resort to talking about Sam Darnold. I'm sure yeah. that'll be exciting. Yeah, it's I I love watching watching young quarterbacks go out and and play the position because it's just you just have no idea what you're gonna get. We got to watch, yeah, you know, we got to watch Josh Rosen yeah. this year. We got to watch Deshaun Kaiser for a little bit this year. Yeah. We've seen Trubisky twice. He's the least interesting quarterback in the league. Um, we've we've gotten to see uh Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Um. We got the, <laughs> we got the we got to see Osweiler. <laughs> yeah, that, that no, that's my favorite. That's yeah. the best quarterbacking we've seen. Yeah. This year. Uh, we got to see uh see Nick Mullen. Oh, yeah, no, Bathard. We... Bathard started for the Forty Nine ers when we played him. We got to see uh see see CJ Bathard. Like, run it down. Why are the Packers the, the current record? They're so bad. Yeah, no, they're terrible. Because they played a bunch of guys who I just named off. They, who are bad. They, who are very bad. Yeah, those guys are awful. Yeah. All right. All right. That's going to do it. Um, I hope all of y'all have a, have a good Christmas. I, If you like Christmas or not, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm about to go up to the Polina Meat Market, which is mm. a just the best butcher shop in Chicago. Yeah, my, my relatives won't let me in the door. Unless I have Polina Meat Market stuff <laughs> with me. So I'm going to make sure that I get admission to all my holiday parties by bringing them some liver sausage, good, some good. beef and brandy sticks. Now I'm hungry. All right. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. We'll be back with one more episode before the actual New Year. So I shouldn't, shouldn't have said that just no, then. No, but it's good to preempt it. Yeah. You know, it's good to get one in. So be prepped for that Happy New Year. Yep. Because uh, we got another Happy New Year coming for you. 2018 has worked out so well for yeah, everyone. I'm sure no. 2019 is also going God. to be just just super, super good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, of course, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. I'm Fleischman. That's Malum Setter. Um, Twitter. Facebook, you know the you know the drill. Yeah. Um, Packers Jets on Sunday. We'll be back with an episode about it. Sorry about the delay on this episode. We did the best we could. 
Um, we were. Yeah. I was jet setting all over and yep stuff stuff had to happen. It done happened. Stuff happened to happen. Um, I I might have my voice back by next time. We'll see. Uh, cheese head of the week. Oh, cheese head of the week. Um, oh, who is it? It's probably Jair Alexander. Sure. Just for continuing to be good. Yeah. For for being a bright spot in our in the dark yeah. times of our lives. Yeah, Jair Alexander is very very good. Otherwise, I'd just give it to J.K. Scott. Yeah, he did a good job punting. That was the that's the other thing. J.K. Scott, bright spot in our lives. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Mason Crosby's going to come back for another year, yeah. I'm sure. J.K. Scott. J.K. Scott. Um, if you draft a punter, he better, he be, better be as good as J.K. Scott. Yeah. If he's any worse than J.K. Scott, you shouldn't have drafted him. All right, that's it. Uh, thank you very much. And until next time. Stay cheesy, baby. Bye. Right.